This episode is brought to you by Tiger Talk, the most effective video feedback platform for your coaching business. Hey there, you have found another episode of Speakernomics, the podcast about becoming a better speaker and building a better business. I'm your host, Tom Singer, and today we are talking to Kristen Arnold, and we're going to talk about being a master of ceremonies for in-person, virtual, and hybrid events. Hey, Kristen, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Tom. So, Kristen, what are your two best tips on how to be successful as a master of ceremonies? Tip number one, create a file of best practices. Mm. Tip number two, Create your own run of show, which is separate than the meeting organizer's run of show. Ooh, I love both of those tips. We're going to have some Juicy. fun with that. Those are going to, this is going to be a good one. So for those of you who don't know Kristen Arnold, Kristen is the person who you call if you have an important meeting that you cannot afford to screw up. Around the NSA world, she is known as the queen of facilitation. She is a high-stakes meeting facilitator, a leading authority on teamwork, and a collaborative speaker. You've done a lot in your career, but one of the things, Kristen, that I love about you is how focused you are on this whole world of masters of ceremonies and how to do it right. In fact, you recently helped author a white paper on this topic, right? I did. I did. It was uh, actually created by a conversation we were having in the community group that you were part of, Tom. And uh, there was this conversation that all MCs are not the same. Yeah. There are different kinds of MCs and there are best practices that meeting organizers should be uh, looking for and asking about when they're hiring um, when they're hiring an MC. So we put together, uh, actually Rob Frere, he said, maybe this should be a speaker magazine article. And I went, Oh no, 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 no. We need to make this into a white paper because it is far juicier than just an article in speaker magazine. And that now is being released by the national speakers association. And that's something that's available to speakers and meeting planners, right? Yes, it is. Yay. It took a while for it to come together because we did make it a collaborative effort with a whole bunch of people who are smart about emceeing. So, and you are smart about emceeing. So I want to dive into these tips that you have, and then maybe we'll get to some other ideas too, because I've done my share of being the master of ceremonies for both in-person and virtual events. So let's just have a conversation about this and see if we can help people be more effective if they take on that role. So your first tip your first tip was to create a file of best practices. What do you mean by that? So I am holding up my file. Like literally it's a paper file. I for, do have a digital file. For those of file. you who can't see it, it's like three inches thick. It's like, it's like a folder full of paper. And whenever I see something that I go, Ooh, that's interesting. Or I've done something or a run of show that I want to use as a template. I throw it in either that digital file or that paper file because every, every engagement is different. Tom, you and I both know every, every engagement has different cultural expectations, different people in the audience. And so what works for one audience may not work for another audience. So I love having a treasure trove of ideas, just like as speakers, we like categorize and, and catalog, hopefully our stories. Same thing holds true with the different things that we do as MCs. 
So I've never thought about that before. Early in my career as a speaker, somebody told me to start a file of different stories. If something happens to you at a restaurant or if you think of a story about your kids or your parents. And so I have a digital file with like story ideas. But I've never thought about this and the idea of the master of ceremonies of having a list. I mean, I've seen other MCs do things where I'm like, wow, that's awesome. I've never thought about cataloging it in that way. Where where did you come up with this idea? And that was a thick folder. How long have you been doing this? I first got uh, intrigued with emceeing when Eric Chester did a program at NSA. I'd have to look in my file to see how long ago it was, but it was probably 10 years ago, 10, maybe 12 years ago. And I think actually he probably said it, but uh, you know, it just makes perfect sense because uh, whenever you're experiencing uh, an MC, cause you're not always the MC, you might be the speaker or you might be the facilitator or you might be doing a breakout session or whatever. When you see an MC do something, you go, Ooh, now whether you think that you could do it or not is actually kind of irrelevant. Because what you can do when you're 30 is different than what you can do when you're 40, which is different than what you can do when you're 50 or in front of a technical audience versus a more artistic audience or, you know, so I just tried to categorize. Well, I do this anyway. I, I mean, that's what I've done with all my books. They're just, they're just compilations of other great best practices that other people are doing, whether it's giving a presentation or moderating a panel. I've done the same thing with MCs. So what are a couple of ideas? I'm putting you on the spot here, but what are a couple of things that are in your file where you're like, oh, I do this because I pulled it from the file? Okay, so um, I did um, a masky challenge. What's what's a masky challenge? Well, we're all wearing face masks, right? And um, we're doing Zoom calls and it's like, okay, so what's your favorite mask? So take a picture, put it up on Twitter. So like we were trying to encourage some social. So a lot of it depends on what are the objectives of the meeting organizer and tie every single one of your activities to the objective of the meeting organizer. I want people to connect with each other. I want people to use social. I want people to share best practices. I want blah, blah, like whatever they're saying out of their mouth, you need to be like reinforcing it in every, not every single activity, but every single activity should point to some objective. So there were a couple of things we want people to connect with each other. We want to have some fun. We want to upgrade our social and by the way, I checked this out with a meeting organizer. Do not blindside your meeting organizer with some rando piece of activity that they went, what were you thinking, Tom? <laughs> that has happened, actually. Not to me, but I've seen it happen. And oh. it's like, ooh, that did not go over really well. But but actually, if the meeting planner signs off on it, that's kind of a great idea because I've seen some people who have super creative masks and the ability to put them on social media, especially if you kind of, if you of a multi-day conference overnight, you can harvest some of those great pictures and work them into your own presentation as you kick off the day. Is that what you did? Yeah, absolutely. Now, there are going to be some things that you do that are wild and crazy and it's, you know, it's good for you. You're comfortable with it. Maybe culturally you think the, the client might like it. Always run it past the meeting organizer because you might be stepping into dog doo-doo that you don't need to be doing. <laughs> Just say it. So I love so I love this first tip of, of creating that that sort of that that sort of file. I'm I'm looking around to see if I have an old folder around so I can create my my physical file right now. And I'm, I'm going to start a digital file as soon as we get off this call. So let's look at your second tip. 
Your second tip is something that I do. This one, this one I already do, and that is create your own run of show separate from that of the meeting planners. So let's talk about that. Okay, so in facilitator world, we call it an agenda. In the MC world, we call it the run of show. And frankly, in the virtual world, my run of show is much more tightly scheduled because there isn't as much uh, leeway in a virtual world. And um, I find that timing is really important. Like how much time do I really have versus when you're in person, like you've got that like feel for the audience and you're, you know, you're, you're feeding off the energy of the audience and you can gauge your own time. And it's a lot easier. I have found to sort of improv and, and riff when you're in front of a live audience than it is when you're just staring into a camera. Yes. Yes. Um, so the run of show is basically for you, your detailed notes, um, because your meeting organizer will, will probably give you some talking points. You need to mention this. You need to mention this. You need to mention this. Great. They will not tell you what you need to know or what you need to be saying. So again, I go back to my file of best practices and I'm like going, okay, housekeeping comments. Do you want me to mention this? Do you? Oh yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. Oh, um, music. Would you like music? Oh yeah. I forgot about that. Do you have a license? Oh, I forgot about that. Like you can, you can provide so much value when you're going through your run of show and what are the questions? And in fact, the white paper has a great checklist, by the way, of questions that we need to be asking our meeting organizers in order to make sure that they are thinking through all the elements. So one of the things that I've done is I create sort of my own talking points beyond what they've asked me to do in case I need to fill time, because sometimes they give you 10 minutes. Now, I'm an MC who comes with content, so I'm not just telling them where the bathrooms are and when things are. I'm working in my content about how do you connect better at an event. And so sometimes I have 10 minutes and that's great. And I filled it in and I know I'm going to drop a module of content in along with some announcements. But then the speaker before me. Uh, before I come back out goes long or they have a technical difficulty when we start. And so I have modulized everything so that I can sort of pick and play what's going to go. If I have to go long, I've got more in there than I need. If I have to shorten down, I can I can pull out my own content and get to what they need. So I always create my own for that reason, just so that I can ebb and flow with the real time. Because as we know, uh, conferences need to run on time but oftentimes the MC has to either either split it down or fill it up. Exactly. I call that plan B. <laughs> you know, you, you, you know what you need to shave, you know what you need to add, um, but it's all in support of the objectives of the meeting. Yep. And every meeting is different. So what type of meetings do you have up front uh, with the meetings where you're going to be an MC? What type of meetings do you have with the committee or the planner, uh, maybe the other speakers to make sure that everybody's on the same page? You want to be on all of the tech rehearsals, the conversations that the client is having with their speakers, if you can. Like, I just like to be there. Um, and some of it is us coordinating with who's actually in the program to figure out, okay, so what are your key points? How can I help you? How can I support you? What's the best way to introduce you? So it's not just about having conversations with a meeting organizer, which hopefully you've had those conversations just like you would as a speaker. You want to be having the conversations to say, how can I make 
transitions work? How can I connect the dots? Um, now that's because I am a content weaver. I'm a event conference facilitator. There are some other kinds of MCs who are not like that. They are more the entertainer kind of MC or the humorous MC. They might not do as much of that kind of work because their focus is more on their job is to entertain. And so they're going to be putting in their bits of content versus what you and I do, Tom, which is helping them make the connections between each other and the top and the topic. So it, it, I think it's helpful for, for all of us to know what kind of MC or kinds of MCs are we? Because like if somebody calls me and says, we want you to, we want you to MC our conference. Um, and they start talking like I'm going to be telling funny stories <laughs> or I'm going to juggle. That's Jeff Savilico. That's not me. It's Tim guard. It's not me. Go, go hire them. Right. Not me. Um, am I funny? I think, but that's not my primary gift right. in the world. Right. right. I'm, I'm, I'm a business person MC who does, as you call it, content weaving. I, I am the thread that runs through everything. I pull back and say, that was so interesting that Mary Beth talked about this. It goes back to yesterday's speaker when Ryan said, you know, something similar. So I'm, I'm a person who puts a big bow around the whole thing. I'm Preston Chin, a communications coach from MIT and the co-founder of Tiger Talk. We're an easy-to-use, AI-powered video feedback platform, helping you give clients time-stamped, actionable feedback twice as fast without having to write long emails. Only 20 slots are available in our private beta. Visit tigertalk.io to claim one of those 20 slots. tigertalk.io, the most effective video feedback platform for your coaching business. But let's talk about the different types of MCs. So there's people like you who would be more of a, a business-focused facilitator slash content weaver. Uh, what are some of the other ones that came about in the white paper? Right. So, and by the way, as we go through this list, don't think that they're all mutually exclusive. Correct. I agree. I just think it's helpful for you to know which is your primary so that when you're trying to sell yourself, you make sure that you're a good fit. And, and I will... And it's important for the meeting planners to know what type they want as a primary and maybe even a secondary. But these are things that often aren't discussed. You said it clearly is sometimes you get on the call and they're like, you know, we want you to do this. And you're thinking, oh, I'm a perfect fit. And they're like, and then we're going to have this thing. Can you do close up magic during that? And I'm like, uh, no, we need John Pets to do close up magic because I have no idea. You know, I would not even know where to start. So uh, it is a good idea for both the the MC and the planner to have a clear idea what box that person fits into. Right. And oftentimes they don't know. And I don't know if this is your experience, Tom, but I think a lot of people are using MCs now in the virtual world when they haven't used them in the in-person world. So they don't even know what they don't know. I believe that in the, in, in the, the virtual world, it's more important for an organization to use somebody to be that thread that runs through it in that MC role. So I am seeing more people out there filling this role instead of just having their board president, you know, be the person who sort of does it because that's part of their role as board president. So yes, I am seeing more people hired into that role for sure. But again, it's a different world. So, I mean, I think we have to think this through both for virtual and when we go back to the in-person situations. 
Right. Okay. So let's talk about the different kinds of MCs very, very quickly. You have the master of ceremonies, which is different than an MC, by the way. MC is kind of short for master of ceremonies, so it's a more informal role. A master of ceremonies is a very formal role. You're an event host. So usually that might be somebody like the president of the organization or something. They're hosting the event. You could have somebody who's an officiant, such as at a wedding or at a, you know, a particular event. And you also have... Um, Oh, an officiant is for a religious service or ceremony versus a uh, an event where you would just call that a master of ceremonies. So then you get into MCs for business events. So we've got the entertainer MC, the humorist MC. Okay, so those are MCs for business events, and then you have the conference event uh, MC moderator, and that's what you and I do a lot: is the content weaver or an event facilitator. And the difference between a content weaver it might be a little bit on the subtle side, but um, the the content weaver is basically still front and center. The event facilitator is being more of uh, having group work being done. And again, there isn't like you can only pick one. <laughs> you might be carrying different roles at different times during the event. And then finally, um, we do think that there's a difference between being an, an MC in the in-person world versus the digital world. So you have a virtual MC and that is different than a hybrid MC. So we talk a little bit about those differences as well. Absolutely. So if somebody who is a speaker has been asked to fill this role for the first time, and that's happening a lot, I've been getting a lot of calls from people who are like, I've never MC'd before. What do I do? I just accepted this job. If it's your first time in the role of MC, what are a couple things that someone should be super hyper aware of? First, you should join the NSA community group on MCs. And uh, Tom, uh, you're doing clubhouse chats. So I would plug yourself in there. I would read the white paper. Um, and then I would just buckle down and get serious on like, okay, what is my role? What is my gift? What am I bringing to the table that it's going to add value to this client? And then just start brainstorming different possibilities. Like, I think, I think part of, part of our, um, you know, what's nice about starting something new is you can like look at it with fresh eyes and like, oh, okay, you have been watching MCs your entire life. What do you like about them? What do you not like about them? Um, what what do you hope to accomplish at this particular event? But also in the long tail, where do you want to go with this as a business practice? Do you want more MC work? Well, then you're going to approach this a little bit different, more methodically. You're going to do a lot more research than if this is a one-off, quite frankly, I think. I love your point that we've been watching MCs our whole life because all of a sudden what flashed into my mind was like being a child and, and seeing a television game show host or going to a wedding. And then essentially the officiant is the MC of, the, of that ceremony. Or we watch the Academy Awards and the Golden Globes and things like that. And for the last couple of years, those organizations who do the award shows have steered away from having an MC. And now I noticed with the Golden Globes, they brought Amy Poehler and Tina Fey back after a couple of years of not having an MC. And I think one of the reasons is, is that when you do it right, 
you make a better show. And we have been watching this for years. So for people who are stepping into this role and they want to do it more than the one time, what are some mistakes you've seen MCs make that you think people should be super cautious about? Probably the same things that you would say about being a speaker, but one is um, being in your head too much. I mean, you'd have to be present to the audience, whether it's a in-person audience or a virtual audience, you have to be present and be with them, like encourage them to do whatever it is that you're trying to do in that segment and never forget that you are serving the audience, not your own personal agenda. Um, it's not therapy for a reason. So what is the difference? And I have an answer to this and I'll share it after you. What is the difference between taking the stage as the keynote speaker and taking the stage as the master of ceremonies? Oh, you answer that. Well, I would answer it that although many keynote speakers say, oh, it's not about me. I think if you're going to step up and be the keynoter and teaching the main piece of that event, you are the, whether you want to be or not, you are the star of the show for that hour to that audience. You are the keynoter. Whereas when you're the MC, you have to be very aware that the star of the show is the audience and the other speakers. Ooh, very deep, (laughs) very deep. And it's true. I mean, you are there to, provide the transitions to provide navigation, whether it's physical navigation or virtual navigation, you are there to make sure that it's a safe space. You're there, like fill in the blank why you're there. And it's not about you. Although, uh, you know, hopefully you have a good time while you're doing it and the client enjoys having you there. And, you know, but honestly, there are going to be some topics you can't be for, you know, all frivolity and enjoyment. And like, I, I have facilitated some pretty heavy conversations, um, especially in this COVID world about what are we going to do? How do we survive as an organization? It's not all, you know, unicorns and rainbows and you have to adjust your own personality for that. And, uh, you know, I, I think that there's, there's a lot of creativity in this space. That's what I like about it. Um, is that, and it's never the same, like you're run a show for one organization, isn't going to be the same for another event. So the other thing that comes into a difference between being a speaker and being the MC is the time commitment that you put in to that particular conference. Oh gosh. Did you really want to bring that up? I thought we would <sighs> go there. Go ahead, Kristen. Well, you know, if you're a keynote speaker, you're, you've got your keynote speech and you know what works and it's not a rinse and repeat kind of thing, because of course, of course you're tailoring it to your audience and, and you've done some pre-work and, you know, you've got uh, Lois's aftercare. I mean, of course, of course you've put some time into it. <laughs> you want to see you're spending more time because you're on every single call. Well, not every single call, but as many calls as you can. You're talking to all the speakers. You are actually probably providing a little bit of coaching, which I did because a lot of people are still not aware of all the things that they can do in this lovely frame. And it's like, okay, so tell me, what are your objectives? How are you going to do it? And, and a lot of times we've seen more and we can provide some just in time coaching that will take their um, non-professional, I'm talking about industry speakers, take it to the next level. So, okay. So you've got that. And then, um, oh, by the way, you need to hold the meeting organizer's hand um, throughout the entire event. You can never go for a potty break 
because you're always on, especially if you're doing hybrid and you're the only MC. I do believe in the hybrid world, you need to have two MCs, one who's managing the in-person audience and another person who's managing the online audience. But- and and I, I will jump in on that, that having MC dozens and dozens of events in a live situation, I have never had a speaker vanish into thin air while on stage. So at, a, at an in-person <laughs> event, when I introduce your keynote speaker, Kristen Arnold, I then know that I have an hour and maybe she's a little runs a little short or a little long, but I know she's supposed to go an hour. So I know for like the next 45 minutes, I can call my wife. I can run to the bathroom. I can eat a sandwich. I can check Facebook as long as I'm nearby and can hear it's all good. When you're emceeing a virtual event, I have had four speakers disappear where suddenly I have to come on and fill content until we can get that person back. And sometimes it's been a minute, usually like two or three. I've never had one go really long, but you have to fill why that person is getting ready to come back. And so you are right. It's like on a virtual event, you can't even run down the hall to go to the bathroom. Yay. So, so those, so those, the time commitment though, that's involved, that's something I think surprises a lot of people who've never emceed before. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you know, it's part of the, part of the process. Now there are people who MC, um, and they've got it wired and they've got their standard stuff. And in fact, um, I was looking at a proposal from an MC who said, I will pre-record the transitions. And I went, Oh my God, how, how can you do that? But I'm sure, I'm sure she has it figured out. I personally, that's just not my style. Right. It's probably not your style, Tom, but there are people who, you know, you, you could simplify this whole process. Um, I think you're short changing the role and short changing the experience for the audience. Um, you could, you could have an event, especially in this virtual world where everything is pre-recorded, but if the, if the MC is doing a lot of really good transitions. And then you've got Q and a live Q and a with those speakers. Um, it can really up the energy and the excitement in the actual conference. And I, I think that that's just truly invaluable, but you're still going to work your ass off. Oh, sorry. It's totally fine. So (laughs) as we close out this interview, what's one little extra piece of advice that you have for someone who's going to be an MC? on how they can be super successful. Hmm. The last piece of advice, you know, I would say if you are serious about this, you go interview a bunch of MCs, hang out in clubhouse, talk to people, um, in the digital vault. I believe there's some information about MCs, uh, talk to the people who are actually doing it out there and just, suck their brains dry, but please do not ask them. Can I pick your brain? Ask them specifically three questions that you want answered and let it go. Like you've done your homework. You've watched some of their YouTube videos. You know what their reputation is and you have three questions just, and then if you ask good questions, they will probably open up and share even more. Awesome. Well, Kristen Arnold, thank you for joining us here on Speakernomics. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. We do this show so that we can share with you a bunch of new ideas that can help you be better in the world of speaking. So join us next week for more thoughts, ideas, and actionable information on how to make money as a professional speaker. 
And always remember the motto of this podcast, speak, get paid, repeat. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.